0: Hey everybody, Marshall Latham here once again to shill for myself and for the journey into Patreon. Uh Just to let you know, this episode of the Comics Cave aired on the Patreon feed about three years ago, and it's taken me that long to publish it out here on the main feed of the podcast. There's still about four or five other episodes of the Comics Cave just sitting there on Patreon waiting for you to come read them. I also do a personal address on there every month to my Patreon listeners uh, where I talk about things I've watched on media. I talk about things going on with my writing, with the podcast, with my personal life, and uh, answer a question of the month on that personal address. And there's all kinds of other extra and early stuff up there, I encourage you to go check it out and see what you think. I recently had a longtime listener of the podcast uh, try out the Patreon for seven days, and then he became a Patreon subscriber. I was happy that they enjoyed what they found enough to go ahead and and uh, support the podcast through Patreon. So if you'd like to check it out, I'd, I'd encourage you to do the same. But for now, here's me talking about Superman Red Sun. Welcome Welcome. to the Comics Comics Cave. Cave. I am your host, host, Marshall Marshall Avery. This This is our second second exploration exploration of the Comics Cave. Cave. And it's It's taken taken us us a while while. to uh, go spelunking spelunking back back here. (laughs) So So to to speak. speak. Uh, Uh, Come over here. here. I, I, I... Dried, dried off, off a spot, a spot for, for us over, us over here. here. Oh, d- don't mind the bats. They're just uh, going out for the night. You might hear strange sounds as we sit here and talk about some comics. But once we get into the subject, I, I don't think you'll you'll hear too much. I, I haven't seen any moloids around here today, so uh, we're safe, I think. From things that might disturb us. Hey, this time around, we're going to be talking about a DC comic. And uh, we're going to be talking about Superman Red Sun. And the reason I'm doing this is because... Well, I've always wanted to read Superman Red Sun. I've heard a lot about it and heard people talk about it, but I never read it for myself. And one of the Journey Into Patreon members, Keith Tecklitz. Um, actually sent me a copy of Superman Red Son, and I was so thankful for that. I was excited to read it, and I read it, and uh, it took me a while before I was able to sit down and talk about it, and that initial recording (laughs) was lost, and by the time I got around to recording it again, I had to reread the comic and remind myself of of the things that I wanted to talk about and had talked about about Superman Red Son. Uh, Before I get into the comic at hand, uh, this was written by uh, Mark Millar, and it might be just Mark Miller. I've heard it pronounced both ways. I've never seen an interview with him to know if he's ever corrected anybody on the pronunciation of his last name, but it's M-I-L-L-A-R with art done by Dave Johnson and Killian Plunkett. And this came out in, I believe, 2002 or 2003. And um, it was done like an Elseworlds thing, which would, DC, it's just, it's out of continuity. It's its own story all by itself, not part of the Superman canon, so to speak. And while we're talking about Mike Millar, he's actually a Scottish comic book writer. And he's written a lot of things for the 2000 AD comics uh, which is a UK production that's been around for a lot, a lot of years, uh, which has serialized stories. I guess you could say, like Judge Dredd and a bunch of things. So he's done a lot in that. I think that's where the Kingsman movies came from. Was stuff that he had written for 2000 AD. Again, I'm not an expert. I'm not. I'm not trying to make this a a bibliography uh, for Mark Millar, but he and for Marvel, he wrote uh, the Civil War. A uh, miniseries he wrote, started uh, Old Man Logan. I haven't read much of the Ultimate Universe stuff, but I guess he wrote the Ultimate Fantastic Four. So I might have to check that out for a future episode of the uh, Comics Cave. But he's been around for quite a while, and he's and he's written a lot of good stuff. <laughs> How about that for details for you? Um, you know, I've heard some people pick apart his work saying it's too political. I don't think so. I mean, I I don't mind the exploration of of politics in comic books as long as it's, well, I guess my, male, my mileage may vary on that as well as yours might, <laughs> but I'm not one of those guys that says, oh, you should keep your politics out of your comics uh, because it's always been there from the beginning. And then I guess, you know, maybe a disclaimer for my uh, knowledge of Superman and DC Comics, it's pretty low. I mean, Superman as a character has been an iconic thing for as long as I've ever known. Uh, of course, it, Superman was was created in the 1930s. It's gone through a lot of different changes and whatnot, but the essential idea of Superman has been around for almost 100 years now. 90, you know, shy 10 years, I guess. And it's part of the popular culture. Everybody, when, if you say Superman, everybody knows who Superman is. Probably throughout the world, I would say. Uh, it was very iconic. And, you know, the, the basic gist of Superman, which you already know, but just, to, but just to set up for our discussion around Red Sun, is that Superman is from another world. He's from, he grew up on the planet of Krypton, which was on the verge of being destroyed. Uh, His name was Kal-El, and his father was Jor-El, and his father was a scientist, and he knew that Krypton was going to be destroyed. And he knew this, and he tried to warn the people of Krypton, all the government people and whatever, and they didn't believe him, and he made this little craft. And, you know, he wanted to evacuate his whole family, but he didn't have enough time, and so he put his son in this spaceship and jetted him off to go to Earth. And after Superman the baby <laughs> was jetted off, Krypton did blow up. It was destroyed. And, of course, there's there's been lots of, you know, ways around that. And Krypton's come back in a lot of different ways over the years in the comic books. Again, I'm no expert, but I know a few things. And the, the spaceship lands in Kansas or Smallville or whatever you want to say. Midtown. USA uh, to a farmer, Ma and Pa Kent, raised him up on good old fashioned American values, um, gave him a, a sense of what was right and what was wrong, and when he got older, he became Superman. And he moved to Metropolis and he took on the secret identity of Clark Kent, a newspaper man, and when he was aware of danger he would go out as superman and and save the day that that that's the essence of who superman is and as i said over the last 90 years there's been uh many things that have happened to superman and and different things but that's the basic idea right everybody knows that about superman so i guess that brings us to this comic red sun where it's postulated that instead of landing in the middle of America, the spacecraft landed in the middle of Russia or the USSR. And he was raised by Russian farmers and their values. And so it sets up this dichotomy of capitalism versus communism. But just who is Superman? Does it matter where he lands? Who is Superman and and what does he become? And I guess, you know, whenever you take a strong stance like that, or you, you present something that's this bold of a change, you know, you're going to get some kickback. People not liking that idea. What are you saying about this vision of what we know Superman to be? Um, But it's an interesting idea, isn't it? So this series, uh, Red Sun, is, it's a series of three comic books. Uh, The first one is called Rising The second one is called Ascendant, and the last comic is called Setting, so it's like the sun, the red sun, kind of a play on words there. Um, So I'm going to go through this comic, I'm going to spoil the heck out of it, I'm going to tell you the beginning, the middle, and the end. I'm not going to try to get too far down into the weeds of it, but I am going to describe a lot of the details, and I'm going to tell you the plot points, and so... Um, I guess if you don't want that, then this is probably not (laughs) good for you to listen to. Um, But feel free to go read Superman, Red Son, and then come back and listen to me talk about it. But if you don't want it spoiled, um, I'm going to spoil it from now on. Uh, We start out, I believe it's like in the 1950s. President Eisenhower is the president in the United States. And on the television, there's this Russian announcement that they have... Superman. And they show a video of his powers and things that he can do. Uh, Stalin is in charge over in Russia. At this time, he is the leader. And he's kind of adopted Superman as the protector of Russia, of the USSR. Uh, But what's kind of neat about the way this is done is that while Superman is posing with Stalin and, you know, who's part of the Communist Party, Um, He's very much still a man of the people. He's not into the politics of the the land. He believes in Russia. He believes in taking care of the people and believes, you know, he's been raised uh, to follow the communism and believe that it's the correct way to live. But it's all about him saving lives. He's still Superman. Anytime there's somebody in danger, he hears it and he goes and he saves people just like he would, just like he always has that we've known uh so the fun part of this for me was discovering other people that we know from the superman mythos and that we see where they are within this world and uh you know lex Luthor is no different well he's a little different but uh you know he's still the same lex Luthor. extremely smart in fact this comic goes out of its way and i guess i haven't read a lot of mainstream superman to know just how smart lex Luthor is but uh they make him extra, extra smart in this, uh, where he's playing multiple games of chess while figuring out the uh, cure for whatever, the economy and and all this stuff. He's just more than an expert that you could ever imagine. Super, super smart guy. He's working at Star Labs, and he's working with the government. Uh, Jimmy Olsen, who we know from the old Superman comic books being uh, just the the little page boy at the the Daily Planet. Um, Here, Jimmy Olsen works for the CIA, and he's kind of Luther's handler, quote-unquote. You know, he's the one that he talks and and works with Luther on whatever he's working on for the government at the time. But to Luther, that's not as important. He gets his money from the government, but he's busy with his own inventions and his own... Schemes and agendas and those kinds of things. But he does work for the government, just as kind of a side thing. Uh, now, Lois Lane is married to Lax. You know, we know that that happened in the comics at some point. but So she's actually Lois Luther. And uh, she still works for the Daily Planet. And she's a reporter there. And uh, Perry White is still the, the person that runs the newspaper and all that kind of stuff. But getting back to Lex, Luther, you know, his opinion of this Superman, this Russian Superman, is the same as his opinion of Superman in the mainstream comics. He's an alien. He's not part of this world. He doesn't belong here. And he feels it his mission as this, one of the smartest human beings on Earth to figure out a way to get rid of Superman. Now, of course, the U.S., you know, see this as, as a... Patriotism, right? That, that, you know, we need to get rid of Superman. He's the new Russian threat, the new Soviet threat. And it's, it's definitely, you know, into the Cold War mentality. Uh, but Luther has his theories about Superman and, and who Superman is, and he wants to test this. And of course, Lex Luthor never does anything the simple way or the most safe way. And so uh, he arranges for the Sputnik 2 satellite. To malfunction, and it's falling towards Earth, and it's falling towards metropolis and despite Superman being a Soviet superhero, in his opinion, he doesn't he doesn't let that stop him from saving people's lives, so he flies off to save the people of Metropolis from this falling satellite, and of course he does he saves the day, um, but while doing so. Um, he accidentally knocks the Daily Planet globe on top of the building. and he, he knocks it loose and it starts to fall. And it's falling down. And you see this little boy with a little red balloon. And the the globe, the Daily Globe, is falling right down on top of him. But of course, just in time, Superman grabs grabs it and saves the boy and everybody else from being killed. And... Lois Lane, or Lois Luther, is sitting outside the Daily Planet. She, she saw all this going down. And they share a moment in here. And, I, and I'm occasionally going to read things directly out of the comic book here. And through a lot of this comic, you know, we have the, the captions with Superman being the narrator of the story, telling us things from his point of view. And he says, My most potent memory of that day was five and a half feet tall, and wearing chanel number 5 she felt it too i know she did from the increase in her pulse rate to the micron of extra perspiration on her skin but neither of us could act on this impulse not while she had a gold ring on her third finger and a creased photograph of a somber red-headed scientist in her purse and so this is the only moment that superman and lois really interact within the book but Miller, or Millar, makes the point of saying that that same electricity exists between these two characters, even though they never get together. Even though he doesn't work with her, they still share this moment. And their situations are different than we find them in the mainstream comics. But the connection that these two characters have is still there. Uh, Lois later talks about dreaming about Superman. And so she is definitely affected by this encounter, as he suspects. Another character that we have in here is uh, Stalin's illegitimate son, who is captain of the uh, military, I guess, uh, Piotr, and uh, he is very jealous of Superman, doesn't like Superman, feels that Stalin is trusting him too much and giving him too too much power within the government. Um, he knows that he'll never become the leader of the country with Superman around and th- these kinds of things. And it, it's very interesting at one point when uh, Piotr, you know, he does. they they start like a Superman Day celebration kind of thing. And uh, Piotr isn't there. And so Superman goes to talk to him and say, hey, what's going on? What's wrong? And, you know, Piotr tells him, you don't understand the things that I do for this country, for our leader. You just go around and and save people and take all the glory, but I have to, you know, take care of the dirty business and the underbelly. And he he tells him this experience of carrying out some orders to stop a couple dissidents that were protesting and printing anti-Superman leaflets. So and he killed them. It was a married couple, uh, but they had a son. And there's this little boy that Piotr talks about, and. The kid is just staring with hatred at Piotr, and Piotr even shoots him in the shoulder to get him to leave, and then screaming at him, Get out of here, kid! And as Piotr's telling Superman this, he says, The kid couldn't have been more than nine years old, but his glare would have stopped a clock ticking. Those weren't a child's eyes. They looked too patient. I will never forget the way that boy stared at me. And so... <laughs> we will f- we will come to find out that this boy becomes the Russian version of Batman, the-, the Bruce Wayne of this. I don't believe he's called Bruce Wayne. I don't think we even know what his name is, but uh, he does become the Russian Batman in this, which I thought was kind of cool. We see a lot of characters from DC Comics brought out in this in different ways. In fact, Wonder Woman is at a big gala event while her mom talks to, to Stalin and she dances with Superman. And they're kind of at- attracted to each other at this time. As things progress, you know, Lex Luthor has many, many theories. And, oh, I guess I didn't... So he he proved, since he caused this, the Sputnik satellite to fall, this was his experiment because he believed that Superman would save anybody regardless of whether they were Russian or not. And so he proved his point that, yes, he would. And that's a very dangerous, you know, what if he wouldn't have? Uh, but anyway, Lex creates like this, He uh, he what he, who he calls Superman 2. It's kind of a robot with a personality. And it kind of, you know, it kind of represents the bizarro version of Superman. And again, I know enough about Superman to know a lot of these things. Uh, I've read... Oh, like, uh, I think I have, I still have the, uh, it's a collection of like the greatest Superman stories ever told. And I, you know, I've read that collection and, you know, I've, I've read and of course, you know, through TV and, and, uh, animated shows and stuff like that. I I know a lot of these basic Superman villains and concepts. So, and it's kind of neat to recognize these. Um, so yeah, he kind of creates this bizarro version of Superman. And sends him off to fight Superman. But this Superman 2 or whatever, in battling with Superman, I can't remember exactly what it was, but there was something that, like a bomb or something that was going to destroy the area. So this Superman 2 sacrifices himself to save everybody else. Toward the end of this first comic, uh, Stalin dies and the people want Superman to be their leader. Um, but Superman doesn't want to, you know. He tells Piotr, "He said I came to Moscow to help the common man. I'm a worker, not a public speaker." And so again, the the Superman that we know from the mainstream comics is he's the same Superman, even though he's a Russian at this point, anyway. Which I think is really kind of neat the way that uh, Millar did that. So you know, the the country, the USSR, is in unrest and in an unstable position because Stalin is dead. Who's going to take it over? And uh, Superman is is flying through Moscow and he runs (laughs) into a girl that he used to know growing up. Her name was Lana. Imagine that. Uh, Let me see if I can get her last name right. Lana Lazarenko. He grew up with, like I said, on the farm and uh, he learns how much the people are suffering and he's upset by it that these people are starving and don't have anything to eat and they haven't eaten in days and she has a little son and he just or a little brother maybe and uh you know lana says it's okay superman you can't take care of everyone's problems and then superman says actually i can i could take care of everyone's problems if i ran this place and to tell you the truth there's no reason why i shouldn't And so at the end of this comic, he becomes the leader of Russia, the leader of the USSR. And I I enjoyed reading this as a collection, but it would have been kind of neat to think on that a little bit, to have read that first comic and have to wait a month to read the second one and think, holy cow, how would Superman be as the leader of Russia? And what would that mean? You know. Uh, And so then we go into the second part of this comic. And it's uh, it's called Ascendant, like I said. And it's skipped ahead a couple of decades, I think. It didn't quite give an exact date um, when this next installment. But it talks about things that makes me believe it's in the early 70s. Um, and just to kind of catch you up on the altered state of things, uh, Nixon was assassinated in 1963. And Kennedy, JFK, is now the president of the United States. The United States and Chile are the only non-Soviet countries in the world. Um, so basically, Superman has made the Soviet Union to take over most of the world. and But he doesn't take it over by force. He just creates such a sense of security by taking care of all the people and making sure everything is right because he's Superman. he He has the ability to do so many things. That many people have become communist, have become part of the Soviet Union. But of course not the U.S. and I guess not Chile. We don't ever read anything about Chile but it just says that in there. It starts with action uh, right at the beginning of the second installment co- of the comic here. And uh, Lex Luthor's been working with Brainiac I guess. and But Superman defeats them. And uh, I guess Brainiac was supposed to shrink the the entire city of Moscow. But Instead, he shrunk the entire uh, city of Stalingrad, and it now resides in a glass case or a bottle. Uh, very similar to what we see uh, of the Kryptonian city, Kandor, in the mainstream comics. You know, it's a little bottle city, and <laughs> many times in the comics, Superman would shrink down and uh, have adventures on Kandor, or do things with the Kandorian uh, people, this was the the last remnant, right, of Krypton. But here, it's a it's a town, the uh, the town of Stalingrad, is shrunk down, like the city of Kandor. And like I said, you know, we get narration from Superman throughout all of these. And so I wanted to read this other little part, you know, of all the, all these connections and what makes it universal between the Red Sun version of Superman and the mainstream version of Superman. Uh, So here's what Superman has to say about Lex Luthor after this little encounter here. He says, you know, what was the point of Lex Luthor? A human being who dared to challenge a god. He was surely the greatest of his kind. I often look back upon those days and wonder what he might have accomplished without me. The triumphs he might have achieved for his species. Perhaps he existed to keep me in check. Or as someone once hypothesized, Perhaps it was the other way around. This is why he despised me so. So I like that perspective, you know, as much as things are different, uh, many things stay the same. <laughs> uh, so it's a lot of good, good fun stuff. you right. I, I really like the way this, this was put together. Uh, like I said, we have the Russian Batman who's causing disruption. He's kind of like a little terrorist in, uh, in Russia. And, uh, He looks like Batman from the comics that we know, but he has this little, the furry hat, right? The uh, Ashanka hat with the the fur on the top, you know, that flips over. I just think that looks so funny. It makes me laugh every time I see it, but it's kind of, he's kind of cool in his own way, you know? So now uh, Pyotr is head of the KGB, which I guess he kind of was before, uh, but he's still uh, very frustrated by Superman. Even though Superman's the leader, he, uh, Superman has a no-killing policy, that you don't kill people, and uh, he's frustrated by that. He says, we could get so much more done if we could, you know, incite fear into the people so that they would know that they can't mess with the government or whatever. Uh, but he's still, he's still very frustrated with Superman, even though he's working for him. Uh, we see a big change in Wonder Woman. She's pretty much uh, converted to communism. And her, she has a a Russian themed costume um, that's very different from her American themed costume. So everything's you know topsy turvy as far as communism versus capitalism here, which is kind of neat to see, you know. Uh, and then you know, of course, her and Superman have become kind of an item, a romantic item. And uh, at one point, Superman confesses to uh, Diana. He says, uh, "Perhaps we do interfere with humanity too much." Nobody wears a seatbelt anymore. Ships have even stopped carrying life jackets. I don't like this unhealthy new way that people are behaving. And so, you know, just little things like that show up every once in a while in this comic where it just makes you think it's like, well, yeah, if, if you, if Superman was a normal, is, was the normal in your life and you knew that Superman could always hear you if you were in danger and he could be there within a second to save you, you wouldn't worry about your safety as much. If, If you were always taken care of and everything was always done for you and you didn't have to worry about things for yourself, things would change. The culture would change. I I think that's a very interesting idea about, in a lot of ways, you could say, well, boy, it sure seems like communism is is a lot better way to live. And you hear that argument in today's politics, you know, is socialism the way to go? And little things like this stick out every once in a while and says, well, if everybody's taken care of by somebody else, they're not going to think about what, you know, they're not going to take care of themselves or be self-sufficient. So, like I said, you know, politics in comics, this doesn't come hard line one way or the other. It's not really an anti-capitalist book. Like, I think a knee-jerk reaction that people have about this book is that it is. It's just interesting to see little ideas like this that, that Millar points out. Uh, we see a thing where Perry White is retiring and uh, Lois is going to take his place and become the owner of it. Um, and there's this weird scene at his retirement party and it looks like Oliver Queen, Barry Allen, and Iris West all work at the Daily Planet? That just seems weird to me. Maybe they were just there to celebrate Perry White, but it sure makes it seem like they work for the Daily Planet, which is kind of weird that uh you know they'd all be in Metropolis and uh working there. I don't know, that was kind of weird to me. So we find out that eventually that Piotr is working with Lex Luthor against Superman. Uh, it's the big team up, right? <laughs> but even more than that, they get Batman to help them out and they have this plan against superman but they need batman to execute it and there's this really cool scene where i think it's the russian alfred that doesn't never says his name you never see anything mentioned but it's this guy is driving piotr somewhere then he just takes goes speeding away and and goes over this guardrail into the river or whatever and then he pulls uh, piotr out of the car and into this underground sewage gate or something like that, into what is essentially a bat cave, right? It's, it's like the sewers or the underground of, of Moscow. But it's kind of like the bat cave. And then that's where Pyotr talks to Batman and says, you know, we need your help. And, of course, Batman wants nothing to do with Pyotr, but he understands the, the opportunity here. And so he becomes part of this team up. And I just, just to keep things moving here, I know I'm kind of slow going through this. Um, so the, the end gambit of this second comic is that uh, Batman abducts Diana. And somehow he's overcome her and he's tied her up with her own lasso of truth. And this is all to lure Superman to Siberia where he has Diana captured. And then once Superman is there, he says, I don't understand. I'm going to wipe the floor with you kind of thing. What What are you trying to prove here? And then he turns on the red lamps. Um, I guess Lex Luthor has come up with this way to simulate the red sun of Krypton. And so with these big, huge lamps going down on Superman, he's all of his powers are gone. He's def- defenseless. He's mortal. Right. We've seen this in movies and comics and TV shows. But it's very effective because you just don't expect Superman to bleed or whatever. But Batman just walks up to him and just starts beating the crap out of Superman, which is pretty cool. It's a lot better than the Batman versus Superman movie. But Batman doesn't kill Superman. He he like puts him down in this cellar. And I can't remember you know, what he says he's going to do or whatever. But Superman starts calling for Diana for help. He says, you have to help me. You have to destroy these lamps so I can stop Batman or whatever. And so... Uh, Wonder Woman does eventually, you know, she she breaks her lasso, destroys that, and then she is able to go up and, and get rid of all the lamps, the red sun lamps that Batman was using. And then, of course, Superman gets his strength back, his powers back, and he comes out and he defeats Batman. But I guess we were shown earlier that it looks like Batman has swallowed a bomb or something in him. You know, with his with Superman's X ray vision, he had seen that, um, and so at this point, you know, Batman just blows himself up because uh, he says, "I don't want to become one of your robots," and by doing so, you know, he becomes a martyr. And then we see at the end of this comic that other Batman start to show up and protest against the government, against Superman, kind of thing, uh, which is kind of a neat idea. But one of the ramifications of this is. When Wonder Woman broke her lasso, uh, something happened to her. You know, her hair got partially gray. And it seems like in this comic that she's kind of losing her mind. That she goes, not catatonic, but she can't speak and she just has to be taken care of and fed or whatever. Uh, But later on in the third comic, we see her and she's back in Thermoscara. And she seems... Like she's been affected, but she's not in the same state she was. So I don't know quite what was going on there. That's a little unclear. I don't think that was portrayed very well. Um anyway, it it changes it and she starts to resent Superman and 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 everything, and so they're not an item anymore. That's kind of all we know about that at this point. And then uh kind of the last bits of this comic. Um we see that Superman. Because he learns that uh, Pyotr was part of this plan against him. And so we see that Pyotr has been turned into like this cyborg, uh, you know, to be compliant with Superman. He's he's kind of, I don't know if he's had a lobotomy or, or what, but uh, yeah, he's, he's become this compliant person because he's now turned into a cyborg kind of thing, he has this thing on the side of his head. Uh, so I guess that's what Batman was referring to is, I don't want to become one of your robots. And then in in that, we also find out that uh, Superman is using a reprogrammed Brainiac uh, machine to handle most of the day-to-day operation of Moscow and and the Soviet Union, essentially. And they talk about him going to his Winter Palace or something like that, which is basically the Fortress of Solitude, right? And then the last little, one of the other last little things we see is that uh, Luther and JFK go visit Area 51 where the president shows Luther an alien ship that they have recovered or whatever and it has the symbol this weird green lantern symbol on the spaceship and so that's all we kind of see and they learn a little bit that they should that there's a ring and a lantern but they don't know much else about it so that's kind of set this up for the last issue the third issue of this Superman, Red Son, and so I guess at this point, you know, we've we've kind of seen a corruption of Superman here. Where yes, he's still a man of the people; he wants to save people, um, but in ruling the Soviet Union and and a lot of the world, um, he's let a lot of this power go to his head, and he's leaving a lot of things up to this Brainiac machine or whatever. And he's also, you know, if people are noncompliant with what he wants, he's turning them into these cyborgs or whatever. So he's not as much, I mean, he, his motives are still good. He still wants to take care of people and have them rely on him for their safety and security. But with this power over the people, he's kind of been corrupted a little bit. And we see a lot more of that in the next installment here in this third installment. So, It's named setting, like the setting sun. And we've jumped now almost like 30 years up to 2001. We have this little bit at the beginning of here of, again, narration of Superman talking about the state of things in the world. And he's kind of up on this satellite in space looking down on the world. Basically, you know, it talks about how him, Superman and Brainiac kind of rule the global Soviet population like clockwork. Superman has this narration going on, and he says, Every adult had a job. Every child had a hobby. And the entire population enjoyed the full eight hours sleep which their bodies required. Crime didn't exist. Accidents never happened. It didn't even rain unless Brainiac was absolutely certain that everyone was carrying an umbrella. Almost six billion citizens and hardly anybody complained, even in private. (laughs) And so again, it asks that question, is safety and security the only thing that's important? Uh, What about freedom? What about liberty? What about free agency to do the things that you would want to do? And of course, that needs to be responsible. and There needs to be consequences for irresponsible use of that agency. But is it a good idea for everything to be taken care of by somebody else? Or is it better if you take care of the things that you need to take care of for yourself and your family and those kinds of things. I'm um, just, a lot of these ideas that come out of this. And that's kind of what I like about things like this red sun or these one off stories is you can take the image of Superman. You can take all the things you know about Superman. You can kind of slant it and see what if things were a little bit different. And you can examine a lot of these things and come up with these ideas and I, I really enjoy it. I think it's a lot of fun to do that. Uh, there's this other little bit where, at the beginning of this comic, where Superman comes and he's kind of getting a, an update from Brainiac on the state of the Soviet Union, the state of everything. And, you know, Brainiac's telling him about all the things that are working well for the Soviet uh, state. And then he says, well, what about America? And he says, oh, it's still as bad as ever. You know, there's war-torn. It's war-torn and all these civil unrest and all this stuff going on and, and, uh, you know, kind of Superman's kind of shaking his head and, and brain acts like, you know, we should just take them out. And Superman's no, no, we're not, they will collapse and they will understand and, and we'll be able to, you know, overcome this, uh, by just letting it play its course kind of thing. But there's, I noticed on the second time I read through this, there's this little shot where it's like, a video footage of what's going on in America and all this civil unrest. And it shows like this, this mob out there and there's like three people and they're picking up this car to turn it over. And well, I guess of course I I thought about some of the similar protests we're seeing here right here in America right now with cars being turned over. But anyway, the the thing about this little bit in the comic book was um, it's a green car And these guys are, like, lifting it several, you know, I I only see three figures, but it it shows, you know, this crowd of people is turning over this green car, so it's kind of up in the air. And then you see this man running away from it, like, towards the camera, if there was a camera. He's got this tie on that's kind of crooked, and he's got his hands over his face. It's a recreation of the Action Comics number one cover that, you know if if you haven't seen it look it up i mean it's very iconic with superman lifting up this green car over his head and this guy running away you know toward the camera with his hand over on his head and his tie is kind of crooked it, it i thought that was and there's probably a lot of little things like that in here in the art and um and stuff that i probably didn't notice that if i went through it again i'd probably notice other little homages to um, Superman and, and all of the comics that have come before this. So I just thought, I noticed that, and I thought, well, that's pretty cool that they would do that. And so that's kind of cool. So anyway, on with the plot here. At this point, Lex Luthor has become the President of the United States. And we that I think that's been done, right, in the mainstream comics as well. Um, again, I, I'm not a reader of those, but uh, I'm pretty sure that, that that's happened. And that Lois has been married to Lex Luthor, right? Correct me if I'm wrong or tell me the details of that if you know. Uh, but there's this really cool narration where it talks about after Lex Luthor becomes the president of the United States, you know, within six months, he has stopped trading with other countries, he has uh, put programs in place to fix the U.S. economy. It's it's people have jobs, people are happy, people are taken care of. And again, it's this opposite view of the genius-level mind of Lex Luthor can solve all of these world problems or nation problems. And so he, too, has the ability, like Superman, to take care of his people and, and overcome these economic woes. But anyway, I, again, it's just another view. The U.S. in this comic is not... Communist, but it too has found a way through Lex Luthor to take care of its people and, and solve their economic problems. And, um, but of course, Superman points out that, but Lex didn't do it for the people. You know, he did it for the power and he did it for the ability to defeat Superman. You know, that's, that's pretty much what drives everything Lex does is he wants to defeat this alien Superman. Or like, you know, some people that I know that do everything like this to uh, defeat Brian Sanderson. So we have this scene then where Lex takes his vice president, Jimmy Olsen, (laughs) to the Phantom Zone. This is the first thing we've seen of the Phantom Zone. But they're in Air Force One and they're flying and all of a sudden it enters this other dimension. And Jimmy Olsen's just like, whoa, what the heck is this? And he's like, oh, I like to call it the Phantom Zone. Um, So again, just a little nod to the mainstream Uh, Stuff that we know about Superman in the comics and stuff like that. Um, But anyway, he tells, you know, Jimmy Olsen, or I don't know, he always calls him Jimmy. So uh, I guess we had Jimmy Carter here, right? So, so he shows them that uh, Green Lantern is working, and it says, you know, it took 18 months, Lex says, to crack that 24-word combination. But it was worth every picosecond. And I just thought that was cool. I was like, as I read that, I'm like, 24 word. What is it? Brightest day and darkest night. What? What is that? <laughs> and then later on, when we see the Green Lantern Corps, which is all a bunch, bunch of Earthmen led by who else but Hal Jordan, right? In fact, it's kind of cool um, with Hal Jordan <laughs> You know, Jimmy says, "Wow, how come you're letting somebody else do this? This isn't like you, Lex. You, you would, you think you would want to be the one with this power to overcome Superman?" And uh, Lex tells him, he says, "Well, I couldn't use it on myself because it's powered by honesty and willpower, unfortunately, or something like that." I just thought that was funny. That, uh, yep, Lex isn't going to be able to to use the Green Lantern power, uh, but he, he finds he he calls. Uh, Hal Jordan, he says, well, I, so I found some other noble idiot to, uh, to do it. And there's this whole backstory for, um, Hal Jordan and stuff, but I'm not going to get into that here. But yeah, I thought thought that was kind of cool in that there's a cool scene where Hal Jordan's standing on top of a fighter pilot and he's got all of these other pilots there and they have all got their green lantern rings on and he's got the lantern in his hand and he calls out to them and then they all start chanting, in brightest day and blackest night no evil shall escape my sight let those who worship evil's might beware my power green lantern's light and uh then they all take off you know and they're they're going to go after superman which does he represent evil's might i guess so you know superman has become pretty corrupt here even with the best of intentions anyway just, you know, these little nods to uh, to the mainstream comics is pretty cool. And it's got some pretty cool images here. You know, we've seen Batman. We've seen Wonder Woman. Now we've seen Green Lantern. I guess there's no Aquaman in here, but there could have been, I guess. <laughs> uh, but that's kind of cool that he incorporated all this stuff in there. Uh, this is also where I I alluded to earlier that we see Diana, Wonder Woman again. Uh, Lois Luther goes to Thermoscara to shore up uh, Wonder Woman in their fight against Superman. And so, you know, like I said, Diana's view of Superman is that he's, you know, she thought he was different than all the other men in Man's World, but uh, he's just the same. He's just after power and all this kind of stuff, Uh, which is an interesting take again. So we have the Green Lantern corpse that are going to go after Superman. We have um, all the Amazonians now that are going to go against Superman. And uh there was something else. Well, and then, so again, uh Brainiac is trying to convince Superman that we need to invade the U.S. We need to just take him over. And Superman st- says, no, that's not how I want to do it. And uh, to quote him, he says, uh Everything I have accomplished so far has been done by winning the argument. I could have had my utopia overnight if I'd hammered the world into submission with my fists. And so in his mind, you know, he's, I guess, truly, he hasn't conquered the world with an iron fist. He's done it by, you know, taking care of them and controlling everything um, for everybody so that uh, they don't have to worry about anything. And again, it's just interesting concepts. I, I really like the way they did that here. And then as he's debating this with Brainiac, Superman is debating this with Brainiac, Lex Luthor shows up in the Fortress of Solitude or the, what do they call it? The Winter Palace or something like that. You know, he says, Hey, says, I, I came here to, to fight you on my own terms. Are you ready to lock horns with the most dangerous mind in the world? And so basically he wants he wants to fight Superman in a battle of wits. Right, But before Luther can do anything, you know Brainiac has all these cables come out of the wall and snags uh, Lex Luthor and drags him back into this c- control room or whatever. And, and Superman's like, what are you doing? And Brainiac says, I couldn't allow him to debate with you, Superman. Entering a conversation with a level nine intelligence is more dangerous than any death trap. My calculations were that he would have talked you into suicide within 14 minutes. And so I guess that was Lex Luthor's ploy. anyway, with Lex Luthor gone, Superman goes to uh take on all the these forces that are coming against him. And <laughs> he kinda makes short work of it. He takes care of the Green Lantern Corpse pretty easily. Um, you know, he goes out there and he's you know, starting to beat him up and hit him up. And uh then they all have this plan and they they encase him in this box, you know, the green construct and all these, a box within a box within a box, but he breaks free of that and he's super fast he pretty much just gathers all their rings together, <laughs> takes their rings off and so they're pretty much powerless and, and they have to land and, and then he goes after and he takes care of the Amazonians and he even uh, takes out Diana. I don't think he kills her, but uh, they're pretty much rendered ineffective uh, by Superman and then you see this guy in like a war room and he's like, you know, he's taking out the Amazons. He's taking out the the Green Lanterns. Release all the supervillains that Luther's created over the years and just hit him with everything we've got. And we see all these things dropping out of helicopters. And uh, I don't recognize all of the bad guys, but I recognize uh, Doomsday. He's in there. There's probably other criminals in this shot here that I would probably know if I had read more Superman comics, um, but it's kind of, kind of cool. Uh, then at this point, you know, Superman's at the white house walking across the white house lawn. He's going to go take it over and Lois comes out and stands on the stairs and, uh, you know, says, Hey, this is my home and I'm not going anywhere kind of thing. And he says, I don't understand. You know, you don't have a chance. I've already taken out all these other things. You know, you're not going to stop me from going in here and, she goes, well, I've got one one thing left. Look at this letter inside my pocket, and he reads the letter. Uses his X-ray vision to read the letter. Apparently, uh, Lex Luthor, before all this started, you know, he's talking to Lois and he's writing this letter, and he's saying, you know, the pen is mightier than the sword. I'm distilling everything Superman hates and fears about himself into a single sentence. And Superman reads it. And it does, it devastates him. He's like, what have I done? All I wanted to do was put an end to the wars and the famines. I wanted the best for everyone. And he's just devastated. And Lois says, well, geez, what was in this letter? And she pulls it out and reads it. And it says, why don't you just put the whole world in a bottle, Superman? And I guess I forgot to tell you, you know, I talked to you about the, the Stalingrad that was uh shrunk down and put into a bottle. Well, there was another scene that I didn't talk about where uh Superman is talking to the people of Stalingrad and and their city was attacked by this microscopic bug or whatever. And not destroyed, but there was a lot of damage and people have been killed and Superman is there in the bottle, um, through a projection or whatever, talking to the people of <laughs> I almost said Candor, of Stalingrad. And, you know, they say, where were you, Superman? You you haven't been here recently. You're supposed to check the filters on this at least every, I don't know, on, on some period. And Superman, sorry, I've been distracted a lot lately. I, I'll check the filters, you know, every hour, every day or whatever from now on so that this will never happen again. And uh, I think he's talking to Brainiac at this point, where, but he's just, he's really devastated. You know, he says, in all the years and all the things that I've done for the world, I still haven't been able to find a way to restore this city of Stalingrad, get them out of this bottle and, and put them back to a normal life. this is one of my biggest failures as a, uh, as a leader, you know, so he's kind of holds that hard. And so now for Lex Luthor to say, why don't you put the whole world in a bottle that just breaks super And he realizes um, how far he's gone and, and what he's done and, He doesn't want it anymore. He realizes that he's probably gone too far in his quest to help everybody and keep everybody. And so he pretty much calls off the mission. He says, we're going home. Um, We're not going to worry about taking over America anymore. And then Brainiac comes out of his spaceship or whatever. And he's like, are you sure about this? Is this really what you want to do? Isn't there anything I can do to convince you otherwise not to do this? And Superman is pretty much like saying, no, you know, we don't have the right to interfere. We, we shouldn't have gotten as involved as we have with these people's lives. You know, I'm not even from here. He says, there's absolutely nothing you could do to, to change my mind. And then Brainiac says, well, that's just unacceptable. And, you know, he hasn't been Superman's helper or slave or whatever all this time He's been playing Superman this whole time and getting Superman to do what he wants. And he starts hitting Superman with Kryptonite and, and taking out Superman, basically. And he's saying, you really think you could program me? I'm a level 12 intelligence. You yeah, no, had no chance. You know, if you couldn't deal with Luther, you're definitely not going to deal with me. I don't think he says that exactly, but that's kind of what I took from it. You know, so he's going to pretty much take, Brainiac is pretty much not going to take over the world. And then just before he sends the killing stroke or whatever, Brainiac loses all power to a spaceship and himself. And people aren't sure what's going on. And then we hear from Lex Luthor, who is in the belly of whatever, the machines at the uh, Fortress of Solitude. And uh, he says, you should have never let me in here kind of thing. And then Superman is talking to Lex, you know, and saying... You know, we're gonna have to work this out. I realize, you know, that what I've done is wrong, but uh, you know, we're gonna have to talk about things or whatever. But then there's a countdown to to uh self-destruct, you know, and Lex Luthor says that uh the six mini black holes that are powering his engines are primed to go off. And you know, asked Superman what he's gonna do. And Superman says, Well, I'm gonna destroy this, so he takes out the uh the Brainiac spaceship or whatever. He's taking it out into space so little, it will explode. And so it's, it's kind of interesting to see this camaraderie now, you know, now that Lex Luthor has the, I don't know if he has the winning hand or whatever, but you know, Superman is going out into space to destroy this ship before it can kill everybody on earth. Uh, but he's probably going to be killed in the process. And it's kind of just this neat interplay between Lex Luthor and S- Superman and the, the spaceship blows up and we assume that Superman has died and you know Lex Luthor's like well played old friend. So Lex Luthor is one. And so you might think this is a bad thing, right? Here's where it gets interesting. And I know I'm going over quite a bit. I'm hoping to to bring this down a little bit. And and you know I don't know if every episode I'm gonna get into this much detail, but I just really wanted to get into the nuts and bolts. Of this comic rather than just kind of talk around the edges of it because there's so many little cool things in here, and like I said, I'm sure there's things that I've missed, but I won't read this whole thing. But essentially, you know, now that Lex Luthor's in charge of the entire world um, at this point and takes over everything, then we talk about all the things that he's able to do throughout his life he cures cancer, he cures AIDS. He cures all of these diseases, and people sleep, and they start living longer. You know, this is over the years. And so he lives a long time, and it talks about how he's on his deathbed hundreds of years later or whatever, and somebody asks him, you know, what was your greatest accomplishment? And, of course, Lex Luthor says, defeating the alien, my boy. What in the world could possibly compare with saving my people from Superman? And so it's kind of this weird thing where Lex Luthor wins and gets rid of Superman, and the world becomes a better place, and everything is going well for the world, and people are taken care of, and all these things. And it's and it's I don't know quite what it's saying. Whether that's a bad thing or a good, thing. you know, was Lex Luthor right all along? Is Superman, you know, I I don't know what it, what it, this comic is trying to say. And uh, it's kind of a strange. But then it takes an even stranger turn here at the very, very end. And again, maybe at this point you still don't want to be spoiled on the very, very end of this. I I would think if you're this far that you don't care anymore. But I guess the biggest surprise is about to come. So we see the funeral for Lex Luthor taking place. And then we see this person wearing glasses standing off to the side and it's still being narrated by, uh, by Superman. And then he says, you know, I thought for a moment that the widow might recognize me at the funeral. Would she see through the glasses and the dark blue suit of the disguise I'd created? And she, she feels something is wrong, but she doesn't quite realize what it is. Um, But then he goes on in his narration and, he, you know, he says in many ways, Superman really did die. And, and then it talks about the legacy of the Luthers and how all the Luthers had, uh, you know, continued to better the world. And, you know, it talks about the billion years of the Luther lineage. He talks about Lena Luther and Lombard Luther and Lori Luth, 145. So you can see how in the future, you know, the the Luther name is changing. Uh, Jordan Luth, 1938. Alex L. Jordan L. Lana L. And of course, Lex Luther's great-grandson to the power of 50, a young man called Jor-L. <laughs> whose IQ exceeded that of even his beloved ancestor, And it shows that the Earth has aged so much that our sun is a red sun. The Earth's sun is a red sun. And then it talks about how Jor-El couldn't convince the government and the people of Earth that their planet was going to be destroyed. And then it shows this scene that we know from the origin of Superman where he comes home to his wife and he says, They won't listen to me. And they says, well, we need to save our son. And so they put him in the spaceship and they send him off into space and then earth explodes <laughs> it's, uh, at this point. You're like, what? Uh, uh, I'm trying to find the spot here. I didn't take as good of notes here at the end. So I'm actually looking at the comic book. Oh yeah. So the, the mother, Laura says, uh, do we really have to send him so far back, jor The sun's rays were yellow in those days. Their people were weak and primitive. He's going to be so different from everyone. And he says, oh, no, it's fine. He'll be strong. And they send him back, and they show the the spaceship taking off, like I said. and then, And then it takes us back to the Ukraine, Russia, 1938. And we see these Russian farmers on their land and the spaceship crashing. And that's the last page. Of the comic book. And so (laughs) you're thinking, now, wait a minute. So Superman, call L is a descendant of Lex Luthor and he's come from the future instead of from a planet out in space. And so if you just set aside the part of Superman crash landing in Russia and, you know, growing up in a Soviet environment and all the stuff that we've already talked about. But now you're telling me that not only is Superman not from outer space, but he's from earth on the future. And he's, and he's a descendant of Lex Luthor himself who who was his greatest enemy in life. But yet he's a descendant of Lex Luthor and he, he gets sent back to the past. There was no Krypton. <laughs> he always came from earth. It was just in the far, far future wow, talk about a mind-bending concept. That that pretty much blew me away. And I was thinking, well, it doesn't even matter where he lands at that point. Just that revelation is uh, big enough. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I kind of wish I would have read this at the time that it came out. Of course, I'm reading the collected edition of it that uh, Keith sent to me. But wow, that's that's pretty mind-blowing right there. And, uh, of course, it's a different take. It's not meant to replace the Superman story that we know. But, uh, wow, well, that's taking it pretty far out there. And uh, I appreciate that, you know. And, again, maybe it's because I'm not a reader of Superman. Uh, but I'm a fan of Superman, you know, from when I was a kid and watched the Dick Donner movie, you know. And I've, I've read. Anyway, I, I really liked this comic book. I thought it was very interesting, had a lot of different ideas in it. I liked uh, folding in the rest of the DC characters, and maybe, I don't know, how this how this uh, stacks up against other Elseworld tales. I think the only Elseworld tale other than this that I've read is the uh, Gotham by Gaslight, where it's a story of Batman from Victorian England or something like that. Um, I remember reading that, but I don't remember other than the basic premise what that is so maybe this gets old and tired when you read a lot of different elsewhere tales and different takes on the dc universe like this you know maybe it's like oh okay i see what they're doing here this is how they're bringing in this is how they're changing things like say this is one of the only ones that i've ever read and i knew the basic concept that he grew up in russia instead of america Um, But I didn't know all these details in there. So I I really enjoy it. I recommend it to you even though I've spoiled the entire book for you. Uh, But like I said, if I read through this again, I know I'd find other things. And maybe if you're somebody that knows DC, if you haven't read this already, you'll pick up a lot of stuff that I, I couldn't. I just don't know enough to pick it up. But the things that I did pick up, I appreciated and... Like I say, if I had a steady diet of these Elseworld Tales, maybe I'd get tired of it. But uh, I really liked this. I haven't read a lot of other Mark Millar comic books. So if this this being really my only sample of his work, um, I like it. I like his writing. I liked the art in this. Oh, I thought it was done really well. I'll probably pick up more Mark Millar stuff. Again, I'm coming late to the game, right? I've never said I'm a comics expert. I've pretty much grew up in the Marvel world. And uh, there's even a lot of stuff I haven't read in the Marvel comics. So I'm not a comics expert, um, especially when it comes to DC and other comic book lines. This was a lot of fun to read. And I look forward to doing more of these Comics Cave episodes. They're not going to take as long as this one has, I hope. I hope. That I'm not going to run into more production problems, and uh, but I want to do this justice. One one reason is because Keith bought this for me, and I really wanted to to, to do it justice. But I've wanted to read this comic for a long time, uh, so that was that was fun to do, and I appreciate Keith for for giving me this comic book to read. And I hope Keith, you enjoy this uh, commentary on it. <laughs> Sorry, it's so long, in coming as well as so long of an episode. But I've had a lot of time to think about it, and I've read it read it through a couple times. So I definitely wanted to to give it its due. Uh, I don't know exactly what I'm going to talk about next time. I, I, uh, I definitely have ideas. I want to talk about the Immortal Hulk. I want to talk about Silver Surfer. I want to talk about the Fantastic Four. Um, of course, those are all Marvel things. So I want to find other things to intersperse in here, not just Marvel and DC. Um, I also wouldn't mind talking about some of the uh tv shows that have been out um i was doing that back on my journey along the path you know i was going through every netflix marvel show i was going through every iteration of comics that i could the swamp thing that was on dc universe that i never got to see is going to be on cw now i could i could watch that and talk about that the options are endless here i i can talk about comics or i can talk about tv shows or movies for that matter It's all comics related, but I don't, I don't want to just become a movie thing. And I, and I want to stick mainly to the comic books proper rather than all the other media, because my, my thought, I like all the Marvel movies. I like a lot of the superhero movies that I've seen and the TV shows are a lot of fun, but the core of it comes back to my enjoyment of comics, of reading the words, seeing the images With the speech balloons and the thought balloons and all that kind of stuff. Uh, It's kind of fun, I think, to read comics. Whether it's on my phone, which I'm doing a lot of now. I still have a lot of print comics as well. Um, But I think I now, at least on Patreon, I talk about how I'm not... uh, I'm not buying the physical copies anymore. Mainly because I don't know what to do with them once I have them. I mean... Yeah, I've done the thing where I've collected them, but then they sit in a box forever, and I don't. It's kind of fun every once in a while to go through and to pull one out and to read it. But at the same time, it just takes up space. And I did sell a bunch of them a long time ago, so a lot of the ones that I would want to pick out and read, I've I've gotten rid of. And so, over the last several months, year, a couple years, you know, I've been getting comics, and they're just sitting there. I'm not gonna make money off of my comics. I don't know what to do with the physical copies. Even though I love reading, picking it up and reading a physical copy, they just take up space eventually. So, I don't know. I might. And I like I said on Patreon, my Patreon address as well, I do feel bad about not supporting my local comic book store. They've been really good to me. But, you know, it, it comes down to I can read so much more on Marvel uh, Unlimited. I can go back and I can read so many back issues. But I can also keep up with the newer stuff. And I don't need to have that extra expense of buying physical copies that I don't know what to do with. Um, I might start giving more of my comics away uh, to people here that listen to the podcast that uh, help me out. You know, maybe I could do grab bags and things like that. I don't have, like, a lot of expensive stuff that would be. But it might just be fun stuff. I recently sent some to a supporter of the podcast and uh, hopefully it gets where to where it's supposed to at some point. Anyway, I'm I'm just this has been extremely long already, and I want to get this out today, so I better stop talking. But uh, I'm looking forward to more comics cave episodes. I hope you are too. I I think they'll be shorter than this one. Uh, my idea is to focus on one comic or two comics maybe, and then you know there'll be a whole bunch of supporting material around it similar to what I did with that Man-Thing episode, my first episode. So that way I'm not encapsulating the details of three books, but maybe just one, but then, you know, giving you the surrounding material um, and characters that show up, you know, some of their histories or things that I know about the comic. Uh, So I'm looking forward to that, and I hope you are too. I hope you enjoy this podcast. I hope more than just one person (laughs) Subscribes on Patreon to get these Comics Cave episodes. I might be lowering the price just to get people to read, to to listen to this. You know, my my idea behind the pay pay for these episodes is, you know, I I already give stuff away for free. And if I really want to to build up this Patreon, I need to put something up for sale that, that would earn me some money for doing these podcasts. It's, it's not the easiest work. It might seem easy, and it's e- definitely easy to listen to, but there's a lot of work that goes behind it. And, uh, you know, this is my way of putting extra things on Patreon that if people want to pay for it, they can. So spread the word that uh, these are available, and I'll talk to you guys later. Uh, be safe while you're uh, stepping out of the comics cave. Uh, watch out for those stalactites. And don't slip there. It gets slippery there. There there might be some guano on the the ground there too. I haven't come up with a catchphrase for the end of this show. Get your comics and read on, I guess. That's all I can think of right now. Neither of us could act on this impulse. Not while she had a gold ring on her third finger and a creased photograph of a sombre. He just creates such a sense of security. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'm still a teenager. And so Diana has to bust her lasso, to bust free, and she does, and then she goes and she kills all the lamps. and then of course... oh. Well, Dang it, how long has that been going? Stupid airplanes. I actually like the sound of them, but it sucks when you're recording. I always think they're going to start firing on me like a World War II movie. Because <laughs> they're so close and so loud.